0: Good morning, everyone. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The absolute best way to get to know someone is simply to spend time with them. And that's what disciples of Jesus do. They spend time with Jesus, or I should probably say we, as his disciples, spend time With Jesus. We spend time with him, getting to know him more and more all the time. And we do this because we can learn from his words. We get to know about him through his own words. We can learn from his actions. And because he is our Lord, we then learn to obey everything that he's commanded us. When we spend time with him because he is the living word of God, we actually receive life itself. And that's a precious thing to consider what we do as disciples of Jesus. And I'd like you to imagine, if, it, if it's possible, what would it be like to have known Jesus for 4,000 years? I'm not sure that I can imagine that, honestly, But that's actually how long Jesus had known some of the beings that he first encountered in his earthly ministry. And I use that word beings there very intentionally. And if that's a little too cryptic or confusing at all, I'm going to lay it out right here. I'm talking about the angels that Jesus encountered during his time in his earthly ministry. That's how long he had known some of these beings that he first encountered. Jesus has a long history with angels. So think this through here with me. Jesus himself, with the Father and the Holy Spirit, created all of the angels that exist. We don't know exactly when they were created, but the general understanding is that all things that were created were created in those first six days of creation And so that would include the angels themselves. Jesus created them, and they were created with a purpose. They were created with the purpose of serving Jesus, of serving God in every way. But specifically, angels serve a a very particular role, and it's actually in their name in the original languages. In the Hebrew, the word "malach"; In Greek, the word angelos. It means, both of those mean messenger, And maybe you've heard that before. That the primary job of angels, these created beings, is to take messages from God from the heavenly throne room to us here on earth. But they serve God, they serve us in other ways as well. Jesus is part of all of that. Now, not long after they were created, again, we don't know exactly when this happened, but the scriptures give us some ideas here. But not long after they were created, a third of these angels rebelled against Yahweh. They were thrown out of the heavenly throne room. They were removed from their position of of serving God, being messengers, and they were cast down to earth. We now refer to those fallen angels, those rebellious angels, as demons. But they are nonetheless angels, just like the other two-thirds of angels who remained loyal to God and continue to serve him. And so about 4,000 years later, some of those angels that had remained loyal to God were given the job of sharing a message, bringing that message to earth, and announcing the birth of Jesus Christ, the birth of the Savior that God had now come into human flesh And since angels don't die, it's entirely right to understand and and picture how some of these angels that God had created 4,000 years before had that privilege, had that joy of being the very ones who got to see the word of God come into flesh and announce that to those shepherds that night. And then another 30 years after this, give or take, Those angels again come into play in Jesus' ministry. So all of this that we're going to go through here this morning is in Mark chapter 1. You can read through that. I would give that to you to do on your own time. Read through the beginning of Mark chapter 1 and you'll hear all of this as a continuous story. But about 30 years later, we have Jesus' temptation. So this is right after his baptism. And right after that, Jesus is pushed out into the wilderness And he has an encounter with angels. There are multiple angels who are part of this, but I don't think we always picture it this way. I don't think we always think of it this way. The first angel in particular is Satan himself, the devil. The one who actually encountered Jesus, came to him and tempted him. Gave him options. Tried to take him off course. That's just one of those rebellious fallen angels that Jesus himself had created. But then we're told when that temptation ended that other angels came to Jesus and began to minister to him, to care for him. All of this then was the launch, in a sense, of Jesus' public ministry. So in Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 14, we start to hear about this beginning of his ministry. So he goes into Galilee, we're told, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Those are the words that Mark records. As Jesus begins that public ministry. And then right after that, he calls a set of brothers, Simon and Andrew. And then right after that, he calls another set of brothers, James and John, to all to follow him as disciples. And together, they then go into Capernaum and they enter the synagogue on a Sabbath day so that Jesus can teach. And then we're told this here in Mark immediately, there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. See, this is just another of those angels that had rebelled against God, And now was working on the earth where he had been cast down to. And through the mouth, through the body of a human, was speaking to Jesus. But Jesus told him not to. He said, leave him. Come out of him. And the unclean angel, the demon, did. It came out of him. But that unclean angel, that unclean spirit, knew Who Jesus was he knew exactly who Jesus was what he had done what he intended to do even but Jesus didn't desire the public witness of a rebellious angel he did not desire the public proclamation of an unclean spirit of a demon And so again, in today's gospel lesson, in Mark 1, starting in verse 32, we hear a similar thing that took place. It's the very same night, and we hear this. That evening, at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door of the door of Simon's house, where his mother-in-law was. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. See, Jesus and his disciples, they encountered demons often throughout his ministry. Demons who had rebelled against Yahweh shortly after they were created and now were continuing to rebel against Jesus now that he had taken upon himself human flesh. Now that he was preparing to take our sins upon himself on the cross. Consider that Jesus knew every single angel. He created every single one. He knew them. And this includes those who, again, had rebelled against him. And these angels, both the ones who were loyal and the ones who had rebelled, knew Jesus. Jesus. But again, Jesus was not interested in their declarations of who he was. And there's a variety of ideas about why Jesus didn't want or permit the demons to speak. That makes good sense to me. One of them is this. Satan, we know, we're told, is the father of lies. His truthful statement about Jesus could easily be turned against Jesus as a lie. So consider yourself in that time and place. You're a Jew. You hear a demon speaking. You know that it's a demon. You know that he is with the father of lies. And he says, I know who you are, Jesus of Nazareth. You're the Holy One of God. It's proper for you to assume that he's lying, that that demon is making this up. And so then it's right for you to say, see, Jesus, that demon's lying about you. We know you're not really the Holy One of God can't work that way. It's not true. And that would just confuse and mess things up, wouldn't it? So Jesus didn't permit him to speak. Another reason could be this. Jesus did not yet desire to be identified as the Messiah. In other words, it was too early in his public ministry. He wasn't ready for that yet. He had other things he wanted to do. He had his own timing that God had set for him. And so he didn't allow them to speak. Another thought is this it's similar to the first one, but it goes down a little different road. A demon's truthful witness is an unnecessary or maybe even an unworthy witness. In other words, it it wouldn't be appropriate. It's inappropriate for a demon to speak who Jesus is to mankind. There's another one that's common, and it fits with all of these. And I I really like this one in particular. And it's this, that Jesus wanted to be known not by their proclamation, but by his words and by his actions. That, That Jesus wanted to be known by the very fulfillment of the Scriptures, in those things that he said and in those things that he did. He wanted to be known by the sacrifice that would ultimately define his love for all of us. And these demons knew Jesus, and I am quite confident saying this, that they knew exactly where Jesus was headed. They knew that he was headed to the cross, to die as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And because they knew this, they wanted to, and they continually tried to subvert his mission to do exactly that. That's why he was tempted in the first place. Jesus, we have another way that you can reign over all the earth. Why don't you do it our way? That's basically what Satan was saying. But Jesus didn't allow that. And through all of this time, Jesus did not allow them to speak. Now, the knowledge that the demons had, it was a true knowledge of who Jesus was, but it was not faith. And so one commentator in the People's Bible writes this. He says, This knowledge did the demons no spiritual good. It only filled those demons with fear and with trembling. What I want you to hear, though, is that the faith that you and I receive through getting to know Jesus, it's not just a knowledge of Jesus. It is indeed saving faith that saves us from our sins and saves us from eternal condemnation. And it doesn't take 4,000 years to get to know Jesus. It simply takes the working of the Holy Spirit through the gospel. The good news that Jesus Christ truly is the Holy One of God who died no mere mortal sinner's death, but died as the Son of God with the full weight of the sins of all humankind. He died the death of an unforgiven sinner. Think about that. Not because he had sin, but because he took our sin. Jesus died the death of an unforgiven sinner, but because he was God, defeated sin itself. He defeated death itself, and he even defeated Satan himself, whom he had created and known for 4,000 years. See, this work of the Holy Spirit bringing us to faith, it takes as long or as short as the Holy Spirit decides. It can be as short as this and you literally just witnessed this, it can be as short as, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And faith is created. It can be as short as, I forgive you all of your sins in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And faith is created. It can even be as short as, Jesus loves you and died for you and faith is created. Knowing Jesus begins with the Holy Spirit. It begins with the gospel, but it continues throughout our lifetime and it will continue through all eternity. We don't get to spend a mere 4,000 years getting to know Jesus. We actually get literally all of eternity. I can't fathom what that's going to be like, but it's going to be glorious. For now, though, in our earthly life, we continue to grow in our knowledge of Jesus and in our obedience obedience to him every way, every day. And in the same way that his disciples did 2,000 years ago, his disciples listened to him. And they got to know him. And we get to do the exact same thing in those words that are recorded uh, in the scriptures for us. They got to know him by observing his authority on earth. And we get to do the same thing again in those records that are in the Gospels. But also in all the records of the Old Testament. And in all of the records that come after the Gospels as well. And even in the things that we see today. We can see, we can observe his authority and we can get to know him. His disciples got to know him by humbling themselves before him in repentance. And again, we can do the same thing. As repentant sinners, we humble ourselves, we proclaim that he is truly the Holy One of God and he fills us with his mercy and his forgiveness and we get to know him every time we do that. I started out by saying this. There is no better way to get to know someone than to spend time with them. And I know no better use of our lifetime than getting to know Jesus more and more every single day. To God alone be the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.